You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Maybe our nation saw it coming. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Because Dom Davis is going to lead them to the promised land. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is Set. Hook. And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. I think we, well, I know we did survive the Labor Day weekend in Regina, but probably a little worse for wear. Um, thanks to Neely, I did hit my step goal Sunday because he led us on a wild goose chase. Saturday night for Burger King that wasn't open. I don't know how uh, we were convinced of that. Yeah, that. Yeah, is I, I have a couple theories. <laughs> um, uh, so I did not do any Grey Cup fit up today because the inside of my thighs are a little tender. <laughs> we'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I guess we do need to give a shout out to uh, Jamie and Adam from Regina, don't we? Yeah, that might have been the greatest thing that ever happened to us i was standing in a burger king drive through on dudney avenue in regina they would not take our order well the next poor couple came to get some 2 30 in the morning burger king and uh they really didn't take any convincing to let us sit in the back seat and order <laughs> and i and i was wearing a chris walby jersey yeah and we and i was wearing a winnipeg blue bombers canadian mafia jersey <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. If I was them, I would have been like, yeah, see you later. Well, we ended up running into Wade Miller, CEO of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Mm -hmm. He told me I had a nice shirt. No comment Mm -hmm. on my uh, green Rough Riders hat. (laughs) No, uh, I was also public enemy number one wearing a Chris Walby jersey, which I am the only person in Canada that could pull that off at a Winnipeg Blue at a Winnipeg Blue Bombers party. Yes. You are the only one, my friend. Let's talk about everything Labor Day. Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. Let's start with uh, how some of the CFLers have fared Cutdown day in the NFL was over the weekend as well. Brandon Zilstra, Deontay Spencer, and Dion Lacey were all waived, but they were all claimed. Zilstra to the Panthers, Spencer to the Broncos, and Lacey to the Dolphins. So these guys have to be on the 53-man roster mm-hmm. since they have been claimed. Uh, looks like Alex Singleton is probably going to be on the Eagles PR and Duke Williams on the Bills PR. But Singleton, man, he had 15 tackles in the Eagles' final preseason game. I don't know what else he could have done to make the active roster. Uh, that's, yeah, in, in, in four games, 15 tackles and... A lot, and special teams included. Uh, that being said, age comes into into effect, I think. And when teams draft guys rather than sign them as free agents, they're going to be cheaper. You have them 
uh, for longer. Uh, they're younger, so the longevity might be there a little bit. They've already and, got and the signing bonus. They get more too. breaks, it seems, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they've got the signing bonus, so the investment is already there mm-hmm. as well. It's, it is a lot of hurdles, but... I, I think overall there were a lot of CFL guys that made impacts in mm-hmm. camp this year. I, I don't know if we've heard this many names being talked about in any uh, NFL training camp. So that was good to see. These talented guys were making some noise. And, uh, you know, some fans of respective teams were pretty upset when uh, these guys that mm-hmm. were making plays in the preseason were being let go. I think Jordan Williams Lambert might be a guy that uh, could be coming uh, back to Canada as well. But some teams, they do have some free agents or salary cap space in the CFL. I expect maybe a couple guys to come back, but uh, I I think some of them are going to try to spend the year on the practice roster and maybe come back next year at this time or, uh, or training camp in the CFL next year. And at this point in the year, unless it's somebody coming back from injury, coaches don't want to make a lot of changes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have your personnel, you you have the plays set up, you have game planning. You don't want to bring in, I don't want to say a disruption, but something that would disrupt the natural flow that you have going. And, I mean, if these guys that, you know, are on the PR in the States, on, in the NFL, they're making 90000 So, I mean, do they really want to come back? It's it's a it's a tough call. I know a lot of people say Singleton just wants to play. So if mm-hmm. if he's going to be in the practice roster next year, I, he'll be back. Um, yeah, I think I think so. He, yeah. he he would make more money in Canada, but since we're halfway done the season, it basically is the same money. Yeah. Uh, well, he just has to practice and you know see if he gets an opportunity due to injury and you know what a lot of times guys come back halfway through the season and then the impact isn't there we saw with Andy Fantuz Weston Dressler uh sometimes the guys they take a while to get going again if they do get going uh, get Mm -hmm. going again so uh, we'll see how many come come north again I I think it's just going to be a handful even when the practice rosters here in the CFL expand a little bit The first game was Sunday in Regina. The Riders and the Bombers. And the Riders take this one 19-17. I think think, uh, we all expected a bit bit of a slugfest. I did. Uh, The Riders Mm kind of surprised me with how quick of a start they were able to get off to. They were moving the ball. They had a touchdown uh, to Shaq Evans in the first quarter. But... After that, the Bomber defense really held the Riders in check, and it was just a grinding Labor Day game. Uh, Willie Willie Jefferson was everywhere. Yeah, he was. He <laughs> has been playing out of his mind lately, and yeah. in this one, at least early on, he was dominant. And you look at it, William Powell only carried the ball eight times, 11 times for the entire team total for the Riders. That's how big of an impact that, you know, yeah, Willie Jefferson there too, but everybody forgets about Drake Nevis in the middle. Yeah, he's just he, a plug. He's, and, he's, and, the, he's a plug. In hockey, that's there. a bad word, but <laughs> on the defense, on the defensive line, it's really, really good. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we saw him run to the sideline, and I told you, I'm like, do they need to run the ball? Yeah, run it at him. And because this is one of the only chances you're going to have. Uh, you know, Fajardo didn't do a very good job. Like, 
he did an okay job, didn't do a great job protecting the ball. Neither did Chris Treffler. They both throw two picks. Uh, the one pick, I mean, I, I don't know what else he's supposed to do there. Hits, hits yeah. the receiver in the hands and bounces right to Winston Rose. But the the Bombers' defense, you know, in the second half, they held the Riders to three points. Like the Riders had no business winning this game, and it all came. And finally, it all came together on that last drive. Well, you want to talk about dominant defensive performances. It wasn't uh, a few minutes into the game that Derek Moncrief already has an interception. Mm-hmm. He had a, a thunderous sack on Chris Strebler. Oh. There's another guy that's all over the field and is probably, I think, mm-hmm. might be going the path of Sam McGuavin next season. I I would think so. He he does not get talked about a whole heck of a lot, it seems. Uh, I mean, And Solomon Alamimian had nine tackles. And he led the team, uh, and you know, a, a quiet, a quiet nine tackles. I mean, his name came over the loudspeaker, and I, I was like, well, we haven't really heard much from him. He, nine tackles, but I mean, Derek Moncrief made like the big plays, uh, and that that sack from the blind side on <laughs> Strevler was it looked it looked painful. Like it, it hurt my back watching it. Yeah, I felt that one. I, I, I felt it a lot. And Charleston Hughes, another great Labor Day performance. He has two sacks in mm-hmm. uh, this one. The Ryder defense, they have they have it figured out right now. And you know, it was really cool. We we're listening to the radio after the game and there are a couple longtime CFLers on the Riders that had never been able to play in a Labor Day Classic. Solomon Elamimian is one of those. Manny Arsenault mm-hmm. is one of those. And you can't... William Powell. Yeah, there it is. You, you can't describe a Labor Day atmosphere until you're there. Mm-hmm. And that one at New Mosaic Stadium is... It's awesome. You feel like you were at... You're at a primetime event when you're there and and props does go to bomber fans as well because a lot of them show up and they they bring the party and they bring the fun yeah we were at wayne's world and i felt very out of place (laughs) they were everywhere um have we found brett lowther yet oh he might still be in pill nation (laughs) he might still be in pill country for all we know is is that the best kicker celebration you've seen we've seen some where guys no they celebrate the, the best one i ever themselves. saw the best one i ever saw was martin grammatica pulling a hamstring i knew you were gonna bring that up but the best <laughs> kicker celebration without an injury <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh and like his his helmet went 30 feet in the air yeah like it's lucky it didn't land on somebody john ryan kept an eye out for it yeah yeah uh <laughs> And then just crushing other people's beers. Yeah. How warm was it at that point, you think, that beer? Probably not. Well, probably wouldn't have been too bad. Have you? But had- mind you, it's a pill. It's a pill. So, I mean, if it's anything but ice cold, it's it's terrible. Yes. Warm Pilsner is... Oh, I, I love it. I am not ashamed of it. But warm. That might be the worst substance you can put in your body. <laughs> <laughs> or Maybe. taste or taste. Maybe I should say that. You can put a lot of worse well, things that, in you. <laughs> carrots, broccoli, like Yeah, those can taste pretty on. bad too. <laughs> <laughs> uh the bombers again rush for more than they pass, but 
Mm-hmm. Strebler was having success, I thought, in the second half. Uh, well, he he basically doubled his output passing from against Edmonton the week before. So, uh, I mean, they did well, have... There was nowhere to go but up. Yeah, they did have success down the middle of the field. Uh, it looked like they were able mm-hmm. to move the ball there. And for a, a touchdown going to Kenny the King Lawler, I mean... It's against my team in the Labor Day Classic. I had a pretty tough time not uh, celebrating that one. <laughs> Remember when we walked in there, or we were walking up the ramp, and we we're like, "Oh, it's going to be quiet." You know, we're not in the crowd because we ha- we were in that in that suite. Yeah, and then everybody in there is cheering and yelling, and we're making zero addition to what the noise already was. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I, I was like, "Yeah, no, no cheering in the press box." I looked at you when Lawler caught that, and your eyes were wide, and you wanted to stand up and scream, but you knew that you couldn't because Chris Getzlaff would have taken you by your collar and thrown you out the door. By the way, watching the game with him was really cool. Uh, he gave everybody mm-hmm. an autographed picture in the suite. He took time to talk with everyone, and it was really cool to watch it with a guy with that much experience because – he knew what was happening you know, a second before everyone else. He he knew yeah. that the route was awesome. He knew that a defender had let up on a hit. He, just watching football with a guy that, you know, has lived it, you're like, man, I do not see this game the way this guy or any of these players do. He also told me that Riders minus five was no problem. And he lied. So- yeah, he lied to me. <laughs> he also said his favorite team in the CFL to beat was the Calgary Stampeders, so that was awesome. <laughs> Which I think we, I think we all feel. I think there's eight teams that feel that way. Well, seven, seven, definitely not Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> um, and they had success actually running the ball with that Andrew Harris. Johnny mm-hmm. Augustine had over eight yards to carry, and I know there yeah. have been a lot of people waiting to see what Augustine could bring to the CFL. And I'm glad that the Bombers have been patient and keeping him on their roster and continuing to to develop him. I, I think if anything were to happen to Andrew Harris long-term, and let's face it, he is 32 years old now, Augustine, I think he has a good future in the CFL. The, the only thing... Is that with Chris Trevler with the amount? Like, I'm surprised that they had that, like, in 12 carries, 98 yards. Um, I guess one was a 55 yard, or you take one away, and it is pretty average, but. Yes. But, I mean, it can go one of two ways, like, because you know Strevler's not. I mean, Strevler to throw the ball 24 times, but he's always. Strevler's always a threat to pull it out of of the running back's hands and take it himself. So, So you have to be watching that. You can't just commit. To Johnny Augustine because you know on a on an option, Strevler's going to pull it out. Same thing as goes if you go after Strevler, he's just going to give it to Johnny Augustine. Uh, or it could go the way where because they don't throw a lot with Strevler that you can just tee off and send guys. And the one time they send the house, uh, which they had, yeah, it made no sense. They they had. Winnipeg back up to their own goal line, and they send a blitz and leave the middle of the field wide open. Like, it made no sense. Um, but, yeah, like, he, he played an unreal game, and a game that Winnipeg probably pl- played better, I think, than Saskatchewan, uh, especially that second half. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest football game we've ever watched. 
but yeah, I think they're okay. I think they're in pretty good hands if if Augustine can. I don't think I don't think we'll see eight point two yards carry. I don't think we'll see him breaking one fifty five yards every week. But you know, if he's gonna. I think a little more carries. I mean, Straveler obviously with 11 takes some away. Uh, but if he can be around that five to six yard average, I think I think he'll be just fine. All of a sudden, there almost seems like there could be a path to Kenny the King being the number one receiver in this offense. Well, he he was tied for for targets with Lucky Whitehead and August and Augustine uh, with four. He went four for four, so did Lucky Whitehead, but they weren't giving Lucky White. They weren't stretching the field with Lucky Whitehead. No, they've, they've Lawler was the one getting those, getting those routes and, and that that touchdown. Like he was wide open. They've gone away from any of big plays to mm-hmm. to Lucky Whitehead. I think part of it now is because it's it's Strebler in on him. Yeah, and it's so Strebler in the offense too. But mm-hmm. they need to find ways to let him loose again because. That was a big part of the Bombers getting off to such a quick start this year, and now it's just mm-hmm. like not even a factor. No, like four four for sixteen yards, and thirteen of those yards were after the catch. So you're you're, you're giving him the ball really close to the line of scrimmage, and making him make guys miss. Where if you stretch the field, he might only have to make one guy miss, and, and it's really hard to rally to the football when he's behind coverage. And then it, I don't know if it was game planning thing or just the way it worked out, but that's that wouldn't have been my first guess for Lucky Whitehead. Yeah, I get it. He scored on a on a screen pass in his first game, right? Like if, from forty yards out, it's not going to happen every week. You know, stretch stretching the field, with Lucky Whitehead just makes sense to me because he's so fast. Shaq Evans had himself, I thought, a great game against the. Mm-hmm. Bomber defense, six catches on six targets for 81 yards and a touchdown. Naaman Roosevelt, they're getting him involved in this offense again. 14 targets. They connected on eight of them for 93 yards. It's been a while since Naaman has been uh, a guy or an X factor in the Ryder offense, but he seems rejuvenated. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. support around him. Now, again, with Evans and, you know, Moore is, I, I think he's becoming a, you, you want to talk about guys that's not getting utilized like they were at the beginning of the year. I think that yeah. they need to get Swerve going again. But uh, Roosevelt, now all of a sudden there seems to be some space for him to make things happen again. Well, he's not the only guy yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> it was that for this a offense, while. <laughs> Right, like you said, Shaq Evans, uh, they can get the ball into Thigpen and Powell's hands. Uh, through the air uh, when they leak out. You got Manny Arsenal, like you said, Kyron Moore. Uh, McInnes had a catch for 20 yards. Like, a big there's one. so many other options that teams can't just focus in on Naaman Roosevelt now. Oh, well, uh, I thought John Ryan had a dynamite game against his old team. He was averaging over 50 yards through the air, and it seemed like they have adjusted to covering uh, these long punts because, man, they, mm-hmm. they were struggling with it at, as the season started. Uh, yeah, guys are getting off the blocks yeah. a lot better. The, the, the Gunners are getting off blocks a lot better now uh, than they were when he first uh, early in the year. Now I think we got to talk about Cody Fajardo because when they get the mm-hmm. ball there with three minutes to go and they're they're trailing after – 
the Bombers took the lead in the fourth quarter, which they they had all the momentum in the world in that uh, in that fourth quarter. I I wasn't sure what the Riders were going to bring, starting at their own five yard line. <laughs> it was not ideal starting position for the no. Riders, and th- they actually just killed the rest of the clock and finished it with no time left. And Fajardo looks like he's been playing in the league for 10 years. William Powell got as many carries on that drive as he had the rest of the game. Yeah, if he was on your team, you were choked because I think he had four or five carries for 20 yards up until that point. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be not that great. He added four catches for 41 through the air, ends up with eight eight carries for 59. Didn't have any touchdowns, still ends up with 14 points. But the the way that they ran that drive with him, like it looked like a play was dead, and he could add 10, 15 yards to it. Yeah, yeah. And and because they were able to use the run and not just rely on the pass, they, they were able to kill so much time get down and once they got inside the 30 it was just time to kill clock and it just that i i I was a little worried at the five yard line and after those first three plays four plays i was like they might get down there and like anything inside the 50 with brett the other doesn't really worry me that much so we don't need to go the whole field they end up kicking from they end up getting the scrimmage on what the 10 yeah by the end by the end of this drive and at that point, you knew it was pretty much over, as long as everybody did their job uh, up front. Is this all managing the load for Powell and Thigpen? Because I... Maybe, because it didn't make a lot of sense why he only had four carries early. It didn't make any sense. I mean, if you're going to be in a tight game like this... You, and you're winning. Yeah, that you would want to wear down the defense. And thankfully, yeah. maybe the Bombers weren't really ready for the the running game on the fourth quarter because they hadn't done it all game. Usually you want to do it all game long and and start breaking mm-hmm. them open and wearing down the defense. It worked anyway, and that might just be a testament to Powell's talent. I, I think that's a lot to do with yeah. it too. We've seen him <laughs> we we've seen him break runs off where he shouldn't have even had a biz, had business getting back to the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah. He he Well there's for Saskatchewan or Ottawa. Yeah, he he makes things happen, and the Banjo Bowl is going to be really interesting. After the game, Strevler chucked the ball into the kicking net. Mike O'Shea was getting in Craig Dickinson's face. It, it seems like he was mad about a hit on long snapper Chad Rempel that ended up injuring him. That's O'Shea just being a competitor and standing up for his guy, but the hit looked legal to me. 100%. Um I don't know. I know O'Shea lost it on the refs. Like he was in the middle of the field screaming at them. Um, I don't know why he, unless it was because of the Rempel injury with Craig Dickinson, but it seemed like he didn't, like he, he had he had some choice words for Craig. Um, if that was the reason, I mean, Craig has nothing to do with that uh, in my eyes, but even Bob Irving's like, oh, blah, 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 dirty hit. It was like, no, it's not. Center's head was up. He wasn't hitting the face or neck. It's legal. Rempel just wasn't set. It happens. If, if, you, if you don't want to get hit, keep your head down as a center. 
and they can't even touch, and then they can't touch you. I think it was just, uh, and, and his head did bounce off the turf violently. They're two uh, special teams guys, and I, I think that's yeah. probably, yeah. Uh, where where that came from, but the banjo bull is going to be it's going to be really tough on this rider offense if they play like they did in this one. They're not pulling mm-hmm. it out. They, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. And that's what worries me is like Fajardo with those picks. You know, he's going to go in. It was quiet, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to go in into IG Field, and it's going to be worse. There's going. There's going to be false start penalties. There's going to be miscommunication with your receivers. He's going to throw. He's going to hit. He's going to hit a blue bomber in the numbers once. Yeah, and it, you got. They have to limit the mistakes. They're not going to eliminate them because of where they're playing this. Where they're playing next week, but they have. They can't have. Like I think two picks next week might put the nail in the coffin because Winnipeg's offense, I think, is going to be better at home than it was in this game. Another thing I want to mention. Taking offside penalties on your own goal line, I'll never understand. You're cut. cut. I don't get it. it. (laughs) It's inexcusable. There is absolutely zero reason for it. Zero. They're on the line. Like, you know the line that you can't cross. (laughs) You are a a complete idiot. Like, there's no reason. That's an instant cut for me. Don Matthews. Go to the dressing room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just go, go take your cleats off. I can, I can run with, I can run with one man down. <laughs> oh, that, it's embarrassing. It's, I don't know how it happens. It happened in uh, Hamilton. It happened in the Toronto Hamilton game yeah, too. Yeah. Well, they weren't on the goal line, but yeah, close. It was a, it was a fun one at Mosaic Stadium, and I think the Banjo Bowl is going to be even more intense. Hey, shout out to Rick as well, who sat in the box with uh, with us. It was uh, good to meet him, and it was good to chow down on those chicken wings in there, man. It, it's how, still, how many did you eat? I don't know. It was probably close to thirty. And you only had two beers, so <laughs> well before the game too, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I forgot about those ones. How, we also have to say Murray McCormick was 100% right. The Wasps. Like, what a bunch of... <laughs> they are. <laughs> they're everywhere. And they're angry. Like, you... I don't know how many I swatted, but... <laughs> you can't escape them. They're at the hotel. No. They're at the stadium. Like, they're... <laughs> Winnipeg might have to call the army in. This might be a state of emergency. Yeah, I, I mean, apparently it's the same situation in Winnipeg too. So, get rid of these wasps because if I yeah. I got stung while playing Pokemon Go once, I haven't played it since. So the the consequences of this. Uh, well, I, I told you, if I got stung, we were going home. <laughs> There was a hospital right there, man. <laughs> yeah, it was literally across the street. Yeah. <laughs> also, booked our hotel room. Didn't know that there was a liquor store and a Burger King in the parking lot until we got there. That was a pleasant surprise. That was... That Hashtag Matzo Sticks. Solid planning. <laughs> Tim Hortons Field was at 108% capacity. <laughs> uh, over 25,000 people. They're setting a new record for the Labor Day Classic between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and uh, Toronto Argonauts, where the Tiger Cats win 38 27. Thanks to 
a 27-point second half. 24-11 mm-hmm. Argos at the half. They outscored the Argos 27-3 to in the second half. I And they lost Tunde Delacane and Frankie Williams eight and a half minutes into this game, and we thought for sure that McLeod Bethel-Thompson yeah. is going to have a absolute monster of a game. Uh, you know, guys having to play that, you know, are usually just special teamers, guys having to play out of position. And they, yeah, they... They allowed twenty. They allowed twenty four points in the first half, but completely, uh, you know, I don't want to say shut them down. I mean, McLeod Bethel Thompson did make some, like some, some questionable throws at times, but you know, to only allow three points in a half of football after losing those two guys is pretty impressive. And no Delvin Bro. Yeah, if I'm. Not mistaken. The, so. the Ticats were flying to kick this game off, too, just scoring a touchdown mm-hmm. on the first drive, and you're thinking, ooh, this is going to be another ugly one. And then the Argos answer right back with a 96-yard touchdown to Darrell Walker, who has nine catches on 15 targets for 203 yards, two touchdowns. What was it, 43.1 fantasy points? 41.3, I think, oh, wasn't it? What an absolute but, monstrous yeah. promo- performance from him. That was ridiculous. Um, finally, like, getting to see what we saw from Darrell Walker in Edmonton. Yeah. You know, he, now he's the big play guy. Uh, you got SJ Green, who can who can handle, you know, the shorter routes and, and open stuff up. Uh, Armani Edwards, who somehow was their leading receiver. Um, looked like he T-Rexed a couple balls today. Uh, but Darrell Walker, that, that touchdown, when it, when he scored that, I'm like, um, okay, I guess I would have had room to put him on. It would have looked really good. But uh, Braylon Addison had just a good a day. Uh, but that was a super explosive play uh, from Darrell. And like 64 uh, yards after the catch on, on that 96-yard touchdown, like he was, he was already the double move on, on the on the DB was ridiculous, and he was wide open behind coverage. Uh, and of course, Rod Black butchers another <laughs> touchdown call, <laughs> saying that no chance to get caught, and then the guy almost catches him. It was shortly after that where there was a melee on the field, mm-hmm. and. Surprise, surprise! It was started when Simone Lawrence yeah. tackled. James Wilder Jr., and then all hell... Without the ball. All hell ends up breaking loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, at that point on Twitter, <laughs> it went into, oh, the league just wants everything to go Toronto's way. How do they start a fight and not get anybody kicked out? Well, because, A, they didn't push a ref. I still think... I. James Wilder Jr. got lucky. I think he should have been booted, and it's not because of the ref thing. I think it was everything else. I think the ref just sort of lost grip on his jersey when he was trying to pull him down. Yeah, but, but, I mean, hockey does have the instigator penalty. Right. Like, the whole reason this thing started is because of Simone Lawrence and James Wilder Jr. And Wilder wouldn't let it go. He... He kept no. just that's then, why he, I thought he was going to get booted. Yeah, he's like just throwing a two-year-old tantrum. Yeah, because he didn't get golden grams at the grocery store. And then later on in the game, Chris Rainey, 
little late. He was already down, gets hit. He starts losing. And James Wilder Jr. is the voice of reason. <laughs> Carrying little Rainey off the field. <laughs> yeah, like what What the hell happened here? <laughs> Something changed. <laughs> yeah. And then you grow up in a half of football, but so I've been proven wrong. Okay, is Burks hurt? Because I have no idea. Honestly, it looks like they'd be how many? How many people's lineups did he screw over? That might be a interesting call as well. There was a lot of weird things going on with the lineups this week. I had to sit down Sunday at the Continental Breakfast and. Uh, changed my entire lineup and ended up working out for me <laughs> not completely uh but wilder he can't run it seven carries for 16 yards this is without teddy laurent it's without adrian tracy who now is i guess done for the season with a triceps injury that is oh. not good for the tie cats defense but no. wilder has success when they get him into the receiving game um, I, I almost think they'd be better off just, you know, converting him to a super receiver and letting Burks rush the ball. And that it works. It works for the Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. When Sony Michelle was in, Markin's little brother, they were running the ball. When James White was in, they were throwing the ball, and you could tell before the snap what was going to happen. Yeah. You can do that with James Wilder Jr. and Brandon Burks. Oh, well, and I, I, I think Burks is probably a. Well, he's a good receiver himself, too. Um, mm-hmm. But I know Wilder does great things. The The story with Darius Rosso, the little seven-year-old that's battling yeah. leukemia right now, and they signed him to the one-day contract. And a lot of that was to do with James Wilder, and that gets massive props from me. But yes, Burks is, I think, just getting burked around here. Yes, I meant to say <laughs> that. <laughs> You are the king of dad jokes. Give me that one. (laughs) I don't know what you mean. Uh, I I, I don't see it. You you can't rush the ball, and that's Mm. where I think the Argos lost gas here. If they had a rushing game, they might have been able to hang on to this lead. Well, and McLeod Bethel Thompson being barely over 50%. Uh, yeah. doesn't help matters either. Uh, you know, incomplete passes don't help you kill clock. They don't move the ball. And if James Walter, like if you're going to start James Walter Jr. And you, you have a 24 to 11 lead. How do you not come out in the second half and just pound the ball up the middle? Which, and, Seven carries, yeah, sixteen yards is not great. But you give like you can't abandon it at that point when you're up by that much. Yeah. And then you're just you're you're giving Hamilton hope because you're just leaving time on the clock. Half of those yards were on one carry, so he basically That's fair. Went six carries for eight yards. <laughs> As for the Ty Cats they're a team that doesn't really have much rushing success either, but Jackson Bennett, who is listed as the backup on the depth chart, he mm-hmm. has sort of a coming out party here because they drafted him as a DB last year. Uh, he, he, I believe he was an Ottawa GG. 12 carries, yeah. 77 yards, and a touchdown. Maybe he has earned himself the job here. 
uh, distinct possibility. Uh, Anthony Coombs hasn't been getting it done other than when he came in in relief. Uh, you know, Malik Irons hurt, Sean, Tom- Sean Thomas Erlington done. It, it's anybody's job to take, and if, if Jackson Bennett's going to step up and have games like this, I, I don't see how you don't give him another shot. They need they need a rushing game because they're they're giving mm-hmm. it to everybody. They're giving it to Brandon Banks. Uh, they're giving it to Braylon Addison, who actually does seem to have success out of the backfield. He ends up having 190 yards total yards because he had the 167 yards receiving on 11 targets with two touchdowns. Another monster game from Braylon Addison as Luke Tasker sits out here. He is been a Labor Day monster and an Argo destroyer over the past few seasons so they needed Braylon Addison to step up mm-hmm. and that second half was uh, the Evans and Addison show. 11 of 12 for 167 yards two touchdowns he rushed the ball five times uh, for 23 yards ends up with 42 fantasy points. <laughs> Brandon Banks Brandon Banks early uh, looked like he was going to be the Brandon Banks that we've seen. Well, he still had 100 uh, yards. He still had 109 yards. Yeah, nine, nine of 10, 109 rushed the ball two times for three to- or for three yards, 31 return yards, still ended up with 21.4 points. But Braylon Addison, that second half was just out of this world. It's uh, interesting to note, yeah, because Tunde Adelike gets thrown out of the game because he shoved an official during that melee after the Walker touchdown. Mm-hmm. Frankie Williams ends up getting booted as well so Brandon Banks was back on punt returns he had six returns for 31 yards and maybe that had a big factor on the rest of his game because he did slow down I thought a little bit after that first first drive or so from Hamilton he still did make plays the rest of the game here but when he was back returning as well it just seemed to knock him off his receiving game a little bit Uh, it's a whole like you're taking an extra hit, you're, you're running extra yards, you're, you're 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 working that much harder on a, on a position where he haven't hasn't had to, and he's just been able to focus on the receiving aspect. So I think that has something to do with it. How about Dane Evans? Um, four hundred forty-two yards, a thirty-one of thirty, like eighty-three percent completion percentage today. Uh, you know, two picks, both were tipped, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that one was picked at the end of the first half. Yeah. And if that one doesn't happen, it would have been 27 straight completions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he rushes the ball four times for 42 yards and a touchdown, 31.9 points. Uh, he was uh, just did not look like a backup quarterback. No, it looks uh, like he like, belongs. Yeah, it looks like he belongs granted. It's Toronto, but uh, we've seen it. I don't expect it every week, but we know it can happen. But those Argos sacked him seven times. Yeah, I thought he was playing for BC. <laughs> the the Ticats, everybody is quick to say they have one of the best offensive lines in the CFL, but they were mm-hmm. getting after them, and... It looked like everybody was getting into the party. It looks like Davon Coleman is sort of rejuvenated playing next to Cleon Lang. That mm-hmm. might be the best one-two punch at defensive tackle 
in the CFL or, or one of them. I, I don't really think I'm exaggerating there. Coleman didn't look no, I th- like... I think they're right up there with Edmonton. Yeah, he, he didn't look like he was himself in BC, or at least he wasn't the Coleman of last year. But since no. coming to Toronto, he looks like he's got something to prove. And and it helps having Cleon Lang there as yeah, well. Absolutely, uh, it's going to open up so much. It's going to open up so many things for you. And I mean, Mike Alway. Do you do you really want to throw through the middle of the field if he's no. there? No. Right. Do, <laughs> and and if he's not in coverage, he's come, like one of the hardest hitters that we've seen. It's just another thing that an offensive line has to watch for if they do send him. It's just there's so many openings now. Uh, having those two on the defensive line, and now they're starting to work really well together and, and you know get to the quarterback. Something's got to happen uh, with uh, Davon Coleman and his number 23. Seeing that on a D I like lineman. It. <laughs> I like it. You, uh, of course you like it. It's bucking the trend a little bit. Um, yep. <laughs> the, the surprising thing here is that not only were the Argos able to get after Dane Evans, they were forcing turnovers as well. It, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I guess props still do need to go to the Ticats defense because Evans, they had the two interceptions. It, it looked like nothing was really going right for them. Uh, they also lost a fumble. There, there were five turnovers uh, in this game that the Ticats had, and it's not often when you can turn the ball over three more times than your opponents and still escape with a win. They had 111 yards and penalties as well. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, they turned the ball over five times, and what yeah. did Toronto get off of that? Three, three points. Three points, which is mind-blowing because some of the field yeah. position they had to start those drives, mm-hmm. th- there's your game there. If you turn the ball over three times and you get nothing on it, mm. That, th- yeah, the you, def- the defense stepped up. Yeah, uh, for Hamilton because Dane Evans and that offense weren't really protecting the ball that well, uh, and you know to only allow three points on the on five turnovers is just <laughs> that's ridiculously good. And that like Toronto could have ran away with this one. They could have quite handily, like you know, three three field goals and two touchdowns or something like that on on five turnovers or even two field goals and two touchdowns and it's. It, it's really hard for, for Hamilton to come back in this one. It really is too bad that these two teams don't play again next week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Toronto and uh, Ottawa next week. Now, do the Ticats and the Argos play again the rest of the season? And it looks like they do not. So we're not going to see any more fights the rest of the year. Actually, well, we can count on the Banjo Bowl and... Uh, the Battle of Alberta for and that. The, <laughs> yeah, or we can hope. <laughs> because that game got nasty as well. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by ATB Financial. And they also have their very own podcast as well. Check out We Are Alberta, a podcast exploring Alberta's history and hidden treasures. There are a lot of hidden treasures in this province. So the last episode... Of We Are Alberta actually uh, came out a little while ago. It's all about Bitcoin mines, and there actually is one in Drumheller and in Medicine Hat. So check that out. There are a lot of really cool, cool uh, episodes of We Are Alberta. So go to atb.com/slash We Are Alberta. 
to check out that show. It is hosted by economist Nick Ford, atb.com slash wearealberta. The aforementioned Battle of Alberta was the Calgary Stampeders beating the Edmonton Eskimos 25-9. to Now, all of a sudden, the Eskimos are sitting fourth in the Western Division when mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago they were sitting on top or second behind Winnipeg and it looked like they were coming on strong. And now the Riders and the Bombers are battling for first and the Eskimos are fighting for that crossover spot. Uh, th- who, who saw this coming? <laughs> hey, maybe our nation saw it coming. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, because Dom Davis is going to lead them to the promised land. <laughs> no, let's be serious there here, though. Is. Yeah, These are yeah. the same issues that the Ottawa offense had last year. Uh, mm-hmm. They had weapons galore, and they just couldn't finish mm-hmm. drives, and that contributes to yep. the amount of field goals that Lewis Ward kicked. Fair. And is contributing to the amount of field goals that Sean White is kicking. But I know... And the amount of punts. Props do go to the Winnipeg defense from... Uh, last week and the Stampeders defense from this week, mm-hmm. but the Eskimos got to find ways to finish drives. Trevor Aris is o eight and two against the Stamps now. Yep, he's got to get over that hump. <laughs> he's the only team he hasn't beat. It's yep. the only team. Uh, they, Derek Taylor had it. I think they are third lowest or fourth lowest in the red zone for end zone targets. So when they get to the red zone, they're not even, like, it's like 41% of the time they're actually throwing the ball into the end zone. Wow. And, I mean, so uh, with Greg Allenson, DeForest Daniels, Ricky Collins Jr., who's their leading receiver, uh, you know, you still have Tavon Smith, Natea J. You have the weapons there. Why aren't you being a little more aggressive? And they even said it on the, on the panel. Like, be you have to be aggressive in the red zone. You have to – it's – you have to score a touchdown. Field goals are not going to win you the game. We've seen it time and time again with Edmonton this year, Ottawa last year to a certain extent. It's really hard to win if you're just going to kick field goals and not punch the ball in. They had uh, Matt O'Donnell back into this game, so some reinforcements on the offensive line, but they weren't able to get anything going on the ground, and that's the complete mm-hmm. opposite of what happened with Calgary, who were able to run all over the Eskimos. And the Stampeders actually had 400 yards of offense on the Eskimos, and that was the first time all year anyone has done that. 461 yards to be uh, exact here. No teams have gotten over 400 against Edmonton right now. Going into McMahon Stadium is never an easy place to play, and now with Bo Levi Mitchell back, it seems I get a feeling that the Stamps are going to go on a run here. Oh yeah, why wouldn't they? It yeah. Makes perfect sense. Why not just ruin every other fan base's season? Everyone had hope that there was going to be a changing yep. of the guard. <laughs> yep. And here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> Bo Levi Mitchell. Thanks. Everyone. Well, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't think he was going to have any rust. Uh, he's probably been throwing thought, the ball. I thought maybe a little bit of a timing issue. Maybe it looked like there like, was no but, issues. But it, it wouldn't last. But it wouldn't last long, right? And he came out of the gate flying. 
Yeah, it looked like there were no problems at all. He- Must be nice to be a finely tuned athlete. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, I guess they, they tried to pass it off that he hadn't really thrown deep at all, but mm-hmm. Reggie Bagleton all of a sudden seems to be the number one guy in that offense, and I haven't really heard him talked about as to when he's going to make a return but this is without Kamar Jordan. I, <laughs> I I don't know if the Stampeders are going to be forced to make a ratio change here because Richard Sandani ended up getting hurt here. And I guess some are speculating that it's his shoulder. And that's another Canadian receiver that gets hurt. I, I don't know if they expand the role again of the rookie, Herji Mayala, who uh, hey, had three catches for 34 yards here. But another r- receiver gets hurt, and it's a Canadian to boot. So I don't know if they're going to mm-hmm. end up having to make changes somewhere again to to you know change up that offense. But Kamar Jordan, he's got to be uh, maybe a month away. I I don't know, but it, I mean Eric Rogers didn't even do anything here. Two catches for twenty one yards. The, it looks like that offense is really going through Reggie Bagleton at the moment. And that's if he's going to produce like this, not a terrible thing. The one thing I don't like, you know, he has twelve targets. The next closest guy is Markeith Ambles and and Hergie Mayala with four. Yeah, like I don't I don't think that's sustainable. I mean, because teams are gonna teams are gonna find a way to to they got to find a way to to they're not going to shut him down, but to slow him down and make him throw make believe I throw somewhere else. Uh, that being said, if he starts throwing to Eric Rogers more, you're going to have the same problem. Quietly, it's just not fair. <laughs> Quietly, Reggie Bagleton is now second in the CFL in receiving mm-hmm. and on pace for 400 yards. Or, sorry, 1,500 yards on the season. I, I, like, I don't know why I said oh yeah, 400. On, pa- but. on pace for 400, I, that doesn't even put him top 10. <laughs> you know, he's got, a, he's got that 400-yard season around the corner. He's just he's lighting it up right now, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't understand how DeVaris Daniels isn't higher with, with the amount of 200-yard games he seems to be pulling out of his butt here the last couple of weeks. It, it's, it's all the injuries, I think. Uh, yeah, at the beginning of the year, I think we forget how much he's missed, right? Yeah, because it, it seems like he hasn't missed the very step sneaky at all. No. Reggie Bagleton lights up in this game. the The last game he played, eight catches, one hundred seventy three, and four touchdowns. So yeah. he's cost. He might cost you over ten thousand in fantasy next week. He very well could. Oh yeah. T- t- today was thirty three point six points. Monster. Not not a bad uh, production rate at that at that price point. There were actually monsters all over the the league this Labor Day weekend. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dane Evans and McLeabatha Thompson again. We have a game where the two highest quarterbacks are in it together, nice. and Chris Trevler was third at eighteen point nine, and he only he, he threw the ball like twenty four times. Wow. (laughs) All that rushing, it just makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah, and then Jackson Bennett, Johnny Augustine, Kadeem Carey, running backs 19.5, and then 14.5 for Augustine and Carey. 
But I mean, Braylon Addison, 42. Darrell Walker, 41.3. Wow. Uh, Reggie Bagleton, 33.6. Brandon Banks, 21.4. Shaq Evans, 20.1. Like, that's a pretty good top five. It is. Uh, we didn't even mention Kadeem Carey, who got the ball 16 times, 143 mm-hmm. yards, almost nine yards a carry. If he, and they kept him out of the end zone. Yeah, I know. If he stays healthy, we might have a... Well, it, that's easier said than done because uh, the Stampede mm-hmm. running back position has just been cursed. Uh, that's one way to put it, yep. <laughs> it's it's not going well for anyone that's lining up in that no. backfield. It, it's basically like getting... Like getting a curse on your house, like you, you buy, or like on the Simpsons, they buy the monkey paw. Yeah, right. Like you're in that position, you just know something bad is going to happen. So Kadeem Carey has his first 100 yard rushing game of his career. I think I got to mention this as well. On the sideline, the Stamps players <laughs> that were injured were holding up these giant white cards to kind of block the signals from the team. Now, I've seen no. I've seen two different no. theories. Uh, they were blocking the sun because the, the coaches didn't want to get sunburns is what Dave Dickinson told us. Is that what he said? Yep. He said he should have wore sunscreen today. <laughs> That's a Chris like, again, Jones line. <laughs> again, don't spit on my face and tell me it's raining. <laughs> That one's funny. I can respect that. <laughs> so I've, I've seen I've seen two different theories. One was that uh, the players on the field didn't know who to look at because the coaches were all wearing the exact same shirt, or the mm. the Eskimos from the press box. They, they at least TSN said that the stamps thought that the Esks knew their signals. In the last game that these teams played, yeah, that that one seems more like it. But the Stamps beat them in that last game too, so it does, clearly doesn't help Edmonton. No, <laughs> uh, like Bear Bryant even said, and they brought it up. Bear Bryant said, like, "Yeah, you can have my playbook. We're still going to run these same plays, and we're going to beat you." I, it's um, like at the end of the game when you know that they're going to run the ball. And you still can't stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Just execute and you'll be okay. But football yeah. has the most paranoid coaches of any sport. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just uh, ruined it for everybody. Yeah. Just uh, get the cameras in there, get the GoPro. I mean,. Uh, when when you've got an Eskimo infiltrator and J.C. Sherrod on the Stampeder sideline, like maybe maybe he's a double agent. <laughs> he's get, he's getting paid by two teams. I would love that. Oh man, that would be the greatest like, conspiracy in CFL history. It, what would make it even better is they're not beating them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about penalties again for the Eskimos? Uh, Calgary had more. But you talk about the timing. Edmonton would have had their first true. kickoff return in how long? They, yep. they would have had two massive returns from Christian Jones called back due to penalty. Sounds about right, though, doesn't it? It's par for the course. <laughs> yep, broken record. What else you got? 
all of a sudden, th- this Labor Day match for Edmonton is it's must win. This rematch. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, and that being said, Bo Levi Mitchell has never lost on Labor Day. Yeah. He's, as a starter. He's a um, monster on Labor Day. And that includes, yeah, yeah. the Mike Riley years. And... Yeah. Uh, the only thing that is going to save Edmonton if they don't win on Saturday is the fact that they have, I don't know if you call it a cushion, but on BC, I mean, they're up, they're up. Well, no, they're up six points on Ottawa. Right. For the crossover. For the crossover. Like, I, I, they're 10 points up on BC. So not that big of a deal. I don't think they're going to be coming back. Uh, it, it's the crossover is coming down to Ottawa and whoever's in fourth in the West. Uh, Edmonton wins next week. And, you know, it changes again. Calgary's going to drop back down. It, I think the real fight is going to be who's like, you have to, you want to say, do you want to, or sorry, not you have to, do you want to stay out of that fourth spot? Or do you want to try to go through the East because you think you have a better shot? We talk about it every year. No team's ever done it. I don't, I can't see Edmonton going into Hamilton and Montreal and winning. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> the, I also don't see them going in, but I see them, or sorry, I do see them going into Saskatchewan and, and winning. Well, let's look at Edmonton's re- record against the division because every... It is two and four. And those two wins are BC, right? Uh, yep. Every team in the CFL that has a winning record, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Edmonton, Hamilton, uh, Montreal. Every one of them except for Edmonton has a winning record against their own division. That's fair. <laughs> so they're, they're not winning the tough games at this moment. They're, they're just not. No, and we, we used the P word last week, and you brought up Saskatchewan. I mean, Saskatchewan did beat – you can only beat the teams in front of you. They beat a depleted Winnipeg team. They were pretty depleted too, and, and Winnipeg probably should have won that game. Um, but, I mean, the way Edmonton – like Edmonton scored nine points today. Yeah. It's it's not looking good. I, I don't think BC will catch them. I mean, BC would have to go on a hell of a run. Uh, but if Edmonton loses the rematch – They've lost the season series to Calgary. They have to they, they have to finish ahead of them to avoid the crossover. And you know Calgary's got a game in hand, so I, I, it's it's going to be tough sledding for Edmonton to crawl out of that basement or not basement, but out of out of the crossover spot. Those Edmonton Saskatchewan games uh, at the end of the year are going to be really important. And uh, maybe the Calgary Saskatchewan game on October 11th, I think it is. That is going to be that could be that could decide who hosts the West semi. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Even the West final at that point. This is uh, mm-hmm. this is why I like these divisional games towards the end of the year. Um, I'm seeing a tweet from Matthew Iwanek from uh, TSN 1260 saying that Iwanek, Iwanek, yes, uh, saying that uh, the Esks are 10 and 19 uh, against. 
teams with an above a winning record under Jason Moss, and he's seventeen and nineteen oh. versus West Division opponents in his career. If he wants to get over the hump as a head coach, he needs to beat the Western teams. That's the bottom line. That's what happened. Uh, in- do they have a? Do they even have a playoff win with him as the head coach? I don't think they do. To get over the hump, they need to beat West teams. That's what happened uh, for Chris mm-hmm. Jones in the last year and a half in Saskatchewan. They started beating Western opponents, which was his biggest issue when they started there. Yeah. Oh, and, and having to pay 900 guys on the PR. Yeah, and him you know, four times as much as the next closest coach. Yeah, that might have had <laughs> a little bit to do with it. Yeah, so looking at Moss's playoff record, he's about 500. As uh, a head coach. Yeah, for, for the playoffs. So in 16, they, they won the crossover game in Hamilton, lost in the snow game to Ottawa. 17, they beat Winnipeg in Winnipeg, lost in Calgary in the West Final, and they lost, uh, or they didn't even make the playoffs last year. So Yeah, see, it's all I remembered was the losses. Now things get interesting about that position if they cross over and lose the first game. Oof. Now. Oof. Now. They've already lost in Montreal once this year. Yeah. Now the heat's on. Uh, yeah. I, I think that he has to be in the hot seat. Uh, you know, Grant... Sure, the the discipline was a little better today. It still took points off the board, uh, but that's I don't think that's what cost them the game. But it just seems it's something new every week for this team, and he just can't get it figured out uh, week week to week to to be consistent. You and I actually had some pretty nice fantasy weeks in our personal league. It came right down to the wire. <laughs> we were only what one and two. Yeah, in uh, in our personal group, and as far as the Canadian Football uh, Network Fantasy Challenge goes, you were up against Brian uh, from the BC Lions Den CA podcast. You won that, mm-hmm. uh, did very well. I was against uh, Superfan Mike from the Eskimo Empire podcast, and I won that as well. So we're on a little bit of a roll here, buddy. We are sitting, I think, fourth and fifth. Tied, but you have the tiebreaker for points scored. <laughs> the, the season does not start until Labor Day, so that <laughs> that's what we're proving, man. That's what we're proving. <laughs> hey, when we woke up, when we woke up, it was a little chilly on Sunday, and I was like, "Yeah, the, the season is now here." You also, you know what that also means, right? What snow is going to be here in like fifty to sixty days. Are you okay with it? I can't wait. <laughs> We are an Alberta Podcast Network member. It's powered by ATB. Check out all the great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com, including the Assumptions Podcast. It's all about a Christian and an atheist having a polite conversation. And with an election coming up in like six weeks, I think we can all learn a little bit from these two who have competing worldviews but remain close friends. Be nice to each other on social media. <laughs> oh, I know it's speaking, hard for speaking you. Speaking of election, Andrew Shear was at the game, and I did see him. Then he was uh, at the Hamilton game, wearing a Tie Cats jersey. Yeah, well, we won't get into that because 
we both we both don't want to lose followers. <laughs> AlbertaPodcastNetwork.com. Check out the Assumptions Podcast there under the Social Issues tab. Also, if you need tickets maybe for these rematches, Calgary and Edmonton, uh, how about... Uh, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, the Banjo Bowl, SeatGiant.ca. Grab your uh, CFL tickets there, NHL tickets around the corner, concert tickets uh, south of the border as well. They're all in Canadian dollars, SeatGiant.ca. Use the promo code APN. You'll save yourself 5% and and uh, you'll support the Alberta Podcast Network in the process as well. We'll be back on Thursday talking about uh, week 13 and the BC Lions who fired their uh, offensive line coach Brian Chu uh, as they get ready to take on Montreal for Friday night football before a triple header on Saturday. Have yourself a good couple days. Hope you had a good Labor Day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.